0: I'm not pulling on my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for the drive to work. Coronavirus edition. Okay, so I've been doing a lot of uh, interviews recently where I talk to people, R&D people of past and present, about sets we worked on together. So today, I have Ben Hayes with me, and we're going to talk about working on Unstable. Hey, Ben. Hey, Mark. Happy to be here. Okay, so I'm going to set the the scene, um, and then you can jump in. So... um, Basically, what happened was this product took, like, seven years to get made. Uh, it got pushed back three different times, and so I did the design. It got handed off to development. Uh, originally, Billy Morano did the development, but then he left Wizards. So I, it got passed to Dave Humphreys, and then he did it for a while, but then he got another project, and then it got handed to you. Although you, I think you were on for all three, right, you were on the whole development, just you only led the third part of it.
1: Yeah, I wasn't on from the very beginning of development, but I was on when each of those people were the lead. Yep.
0: Okay, so let's let's talk making of Unstable. So what, what are the challenges? I mean, I've talked a lot about designing it, so let's talk about the developing end of it. What are the challenges of developing a set like Unstable?
1: Well, probably the biggest thing is just how many parts of the car you need to be thinking about while you're making changes and uh tuning and, and getting the set together that you don't have to think about on a normal magic set. Um on a you know standard black border magic set. Um so when you're working on a standard black border magic set, you're worrying about mana cost and thinking about you know whether something's an instant or a sorcery and power and toughness and how it ability how its abilities work. Um, but in an unset and an unstable, you're thinking about the art because uh, that has implications on the gameplay. Uh, you're thinking about um, the the flavor text, whether or not the card has reminder text, how many capital letters there are in the title, a whole bunch of things that just you need to be aware of as you're ching as you're, uh, and uh, building different parts of the of the set and putting different things together or, or changing cards, especially. You could, uh, you might make a change to a card that seems totally innocuous, that either uh, you know, totally messes something up in how it mechanically relates to another card, or maybe it kind
0: of undermines what the joke of that card is. So there's just a lot of things to keep in mind. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. Like, um, I'll use a couple cards as an example. Like Goblin Haberdasher cares about whether or not the creature has a hat. So all of a sudden, the art, like what... Normally, for example, in a normal Magic set, well, the art enhances the card, the the art's awesome and a big part of Magic, but it doesn't mechanically matter. Like, what is in the art doesn't change how the card functions. And all of a sudden, like... We would get art back from the artist and were like, oh, the artist put a hat on this creature. Oh, now that means, like, it, it changes things. And I know, that like, there was a pass we did late on where we had to count all the creatures that had hats to figure out what to cost Goblin Haberdasher at, right?
1: Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, it's a great example of uh, of one of, those, one of those cards I was talking about.
0: Um, and, and, like, uh, Phoebe had a sneak, uh, can't be blocked by creatures with flavor text. So like, if we put flavor text on something, like whether or not it has flavor text determines like how it interacts with this card. Um, and uh, capital offense cares about like capital letter. There's like templating matters, art matters, names matters, flavor text matters. There's no such thing. Like one of the, I mean, this is a, there's good and bad, but more good I think is that the unsets just say, hey, anything goes, anything can matter. But when you're making the set. When anything can matter, and you have to care about it, it just—it—it's it, just a very weird thing. Like you're just caring about things that you never ever have to care about from a design standpoint.
1: Yeah, you have to get more people involved. Uh, you have to sort of be more methodical, uh, making sure that you're considering all the different parts of the card. I think my favorite, uh, or well, one of my favorites is—it's uh, called Old Guard. The one, the common white tapper that taps creatures without reminder text, and then it has reminder text, <laughs> it says <laughs> reminder text, is still any italicized text in parentheses that explains rules you already know.
0: <laughs> and that's a callback. Uh, uh, we, the, we did that joke, I think, in Unhinged, where we defined r- reminder text, and then this is making a joke in the fact that we once did that. So there's a lot of throwbacks, too, in, 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 in UnSense.
1: Yeah. Yeah and that I mean every right every discipline gets involved in that right it's like editing is is both imparting you know their own you know touch on the cards to make them come together in that way but then also trying to you know think about things being presented clearly without cutting those jokes out it's just like there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of moving pieces and everyone really has to work together very carefully
0: and like i said it, it's I think one of the real fun things about working on an unset is that you you just are forced to deal with things you've never had to deal with before. And while there's challenges of that, there like, you know, I've worked... I mean, this is my, what, 25th year working on magic. Like, I've, I've made a lot of magic sets. So a lot of the time when I'm doing something, I've done it before, you know? There's a lot of callbacks for me. There's a lot of, like, oh, this is like that. Um, but what I love in the unsets, and just more... Most magic sets do this some, but unsets do it more. Is I just find myself in a situation that I've never had to ever think about that before, and it's 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 very entertaining to go. oh, that's uh, okay, like uh, who's wearing a hat? You're like I all of a sudden have to start thinking about that, so that's cool.
1: Yeah, solving those new problems is fun. Um, I I lie like that in the first few years that I was at Wizards. Right. I got to work on like conspiracy, which has all kinds of considerations for multiplayer and draft matters that normal magic sets don't have. And got to work on stable with you and duels of the planeswalkers and just like, yeah, things where you have new questions that you're trying to answer, new challenges. It's, it's really fun.
0: Okay. So let's, the, the set gets handed off to you. So what. This is so. This is late in the process. So, like when I said, it's like a seven-year. This is probably year five or something, right? That that you you got hand to this. Um, what did you have to do? Like, what, what? Let's talk a little bit about the. I talk a lot about the early part of design. So this is a chance to talk about a little bit of later part of design. What What's going on in in, in the later part of making a set? What, what What do you have to worry about?
1: Yeah. So, as you mentioned. You know, I took this set over from two other previously developers. Um, and so some things were already in place. Um, I think all or most of the limited color pairs were in place. So I didn't really have to solve that. Um, you know, a lot of the cards were, uh, either totally or mostly designed. Um, and we're just kind of a matter of tweaking things here or there. Um, and then, uh, the uh so contraptions and how they work were pretty far along we had the the basic uh three sprocket structure and sort of how they how you cranked and moved along and triggered that uh, but there were certain elements of contraptions that we hadn't figured out yet um things like how exactly do they work in draft do you have to play all the ones that you uh, pick in a draft, do we have a minimum contraption deck size, do we have a maximum contraption deck size? Uh, so that that was one of the things that uh, I had to figure out when I took the set over. Uh, the other thing is like exactly what all the contraptions did, uh, I, I think, changed quite a bit. Um, they're, they're very hard to balance, just given that they're this repeated effect that you're going to get over and over, even if the card that generated them goes away. Um, you can generate them for very little mana in some cases in the set. You can generate lots of them at the same time with some cards in the set. Uh, so they they were one of the areas that uh, required some tuning. Um, and, 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 and then, this, yeah, a lot of the high-rarity cards, exactly how those came together.
0: Well, one of the things, just to, so the audience understands, um, one of the things with contraptions we worked really hard to do was we wanted synergy. Like, the whole point... All the contraption is you build it, right? We wanted like we wanted you to go, oh, I want to put both these cards in the same sprocket so they happen together. And so we it was very, very modularly built. It was built so cards did interact with one another in a way. So like that was also very challenging from developmentally, right? Like they weren't just effects, they were synergistic effects that were designed to, to work with each other so that you had cool interactions that happened. Yeah, exactly. And synergy, so it is interesting that we don't talk a lot about. Developing synergy is very challenging. Like, you can determine whether a card is powerful or not, right? In a vacuum, you can figure out how powerful a card is. But part of building um, a magic set is understanding how the cards work with each other and when do cards get powerful through synergy, not just sort of standalone. And, like, we have to, ch- we have to make sure we understand the power level as cards interact with each other. And that, that is a very complex thing because there are a lot of cards.
1: Yeah. And that was one of the big things. Um, that was one of the big differences uh, between unstable and previous unsets with unstable, really having a focus on being a great limited experience that uh, incorporates all of our limited best practices and all those types of things. And,
0: yeah, one of the I mean, things gameplay is is synergy, right? Right. What one of the things, real quickly for the audience, is uh both Unglued and Unhinge weren't designed to be played by themselves. They were designed to be mixed in with existing magic. The idea was you would take two boosters of normal magic and mix in one pack of, of an of an unset, was the idea originally. And then what we finally came to was that's not how people played it. So for Unstable, I'm like, okay, I'm just building a limited environment. They're going to play it by itself. And so it was really the first set where we built a limited environment that was unto itself.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and figuring out how you're going to do silver border mechanics, but have them be robust enough that they can actually support a limited environment was was really interesting. Contraptions work really well for that. Um, host Augment works really well for that, although it does have challenges uh, being developed for limited.
0: Yeah, so let's talk about uh, Host and Augment because they're, they're... So we have something in R&D we refer to as ads fan, which talks it stands for ads fan, and it means if I open up a magic pack, what percentage am I going to see of something? Uh, and the reason that's so important is uh, host-augment is what we call an A-B mechanic, which means you need part A, which is the host, and part B, which is the augment. Now, you can play the host by itself, so the A works by itself, but B is meaningless. If you don't have a host creature, an augment is a blank card. And so we had to make sure that you had... that there was enough hosts out in the environment that by the time you got an augment, you already had a host. And so... um, We want to talk a little bit about that, about uh, as fans and how 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 we make that work.
1: Yeah, so I mean, there's the sort of level one. um, There's the level one of figuring it out, which is how many host cards do we have? What rarities are they at? How many augments do we have? What rarities are those at? And sort of mathing out, you know, how many uh, hosts are going to appear relative to how many augments. But then there's the more nuanced level of okay, make sure that the host cards are things that you are going to want to play in most of your decks. You don't feel like you're you don't feel like you're incurring a big cost to play these these cards. So they're, they're not only getting picked, but they're also making it into your deck, which then makes it that much easier to include some augment cards. And then there's another level of cards that don't have host or augment but in either subtle or explicit ways, support the mechanic. So a raise dead effect, where you can bring back a creature from your graveyard to your hand, is in many cases going to count as an extra host creature if you want it to. Um, or more explicitly, like are the tu- tutors for from your library uh, a host and an augment creature. So there's kind of like, many layers to making the, the mechanic work. And that tends to happen with synergistic mechanics, where you're like, here's level one, here's the more nuanced level two, here's the support cards that are in to make that mechanic work even better. Uh, and then, you know, you hope that in the end you've done enough that it, you know, just naturally works for players.
0: Yeah, so, so I want to talk about a certain aspect of unsets that play... Host Augment plays into this quite a bit. Um, It's what we call variance. Um, So the idea of variance is how different does the game play from from game to game? If I I have the exact same deck, I'm not changing the cards of my deck at all, how similar or dissimilar is the gameplay from one to the next? And normally in Magic, we were careful on our variance because there's tournaments, we want skill to matter. Um, but when we do a more casual product like the, the Unsets are, we 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 turn up variance because variance is very fun, but it it lowers skill. But when you're just trying to have fun, it's okay. So like um, contraptions and host augment were both picked because they're high variance mechanics. That hey, if my if I play a host with a different augment, that's a very different exp- you know different uh, experience. Or if I uh, cast contraptions and put you know, I, just, I get two different um, things to put on the same sprocket. That might make it just a very different experience from another game with the exact same um, deck.
1: Yeah, exactly, right? Like, if you think of it this way, normally the main way that you get variance in a game is which cards you draw and in what order you draw them in. But if you take contraptions, you could draw exactly the same hand of seven cards. Um, and let's say some of them um, assemble contraptions, well, you play those cards out exactly the same, but you get uh, different contraptions that you draw, in, or different contraptions in different combinations, and that's going to make the game play out uh, potentially totally differently. So, you, it's just adding another layer of, even these cards, even if you drew the same cards, you're still going to have interesting different outcomes um, on you know, different from what you would have last game with those cards.
0: And one of the challenges of development is high variance is trickier to develop because you you, the developer, don't know what's going to happen. Like when when you can predict what's going to happen, you, you have more control of making sure it happens correct. But when there's this high variance and high combinatorics, meaning lots of things can combo different ways, it's just a lot harder to predict things.
1: Yeah, yeah. You kind of have to you have to approach it differently with looking at like what the the edge cases are in any of the different systems of like okay what's the what's the thing on the far end of the spectrum host augment combination that's you know going to be the most powerful or what are going to be the ones that work the least well together same with contraptions oh okay if I get contraption exactly contraption A and exactly contraption B you know that's probably the peak of of power for a card that assembles two contraptions and it's like, okay, well if the peak is here and everything is in between, it's just like a lot more uh <laughs> a
0: lot more things to figure out, which so, is the theme with this set. So another thing that happened, just to talk about like how variants played out a little bit, um it turns out that it was very hard for us to make the set work in sealed and work in draft. Because the numbers we needed to work in one were very different than the numbers we were, we needed to work in the other. So, for example, um, the, the set didn't have a pre-release, but it had a release event. We just said to people, draft it. This is not meant for sealed. Don't play sealed. Draft it. We designed it for draft. Because we couldn't get the numbers right to do both. Which is very indicative of, of, of a high-variant set.
1: Yeah, host were right, were a big part of that. Where it's like if you're if you're able to pick and choose host creatures throughout the the course of a draft, you can build a, a deck with enough host creatures to to satisfy um, the augment requirements. Um, but if you're just randomly getting them and sealed, you run into too many situations where like, oh, I got this. I got this amazing rare augment card in green, but all my host cards are in black and red, and it's like, oh, yep, that's not fun <laughs> <laughs> uh but in draft,
0: that's not gonna happen so so let's talk a little bit about um what what do you think were the the big challenges for you of developing the stat like what were what were the what do you remember spending your time on
1: yeah, so um some things that I spent my time on: um, host and augment, uh, definitely sort of smoothing out how those worked and limited, um, making sure the the numbers there were right and there was enough support. Um, since we knew that A, A B mechanics are are tricky in that way to get those right, um, figuring out you know and fine tuning what all the contraptions were going to do was a big part of it with their, them being, uh, unlimited repeatable effects. Um, they inherently that type of things, very powerful and limited, uh, cause you're just generating infinite value over time. Uh, so figuring out how to, how to tune those, um, and how to tune those contraption making cards to be satisfying. Um, a lot of the higher rarity cards, Uh, well, not a lot uh, in terms of not, maybe not the majority, but many of the higher rarity cards, um, figuring out exactly how those worked or what they would do, uh, like Baron Von Count, I remember going back and forth for a while on exactly how that card would work. Uh, (laughs) Better than one, the uh, person outside the game becomes your teammate. Uh, There were a lot of, um, while the like, meat and potatoes structure of the set, the limited color pair, were in pretty good shape and pretty solid. When I took it over, there were some higher rarity concepts, um, sort of dungeons and dragons that were like, we know we, we love this concept and we have the shape of a card, but we haven't really hammered it into exactly what we want the final card to be. Uh, so, so a few of those as well.
0: Well, here's here's a good example of that. And I know this was a card you worked a lot on. Um, so Urza Academy Headmaster, um, so basically it's uh, it's our, our planeswalker in the set. Uh, it's Wooburg, so it's, it's white, blue, black, red, g- green. And it just basically says uh, he has a loyalty of four, and his three abilities are, go to this website and click a button, and we'll tell you what it does. So talk a little bit about making that. that that's a very not normal magic card.
1: Yeah, that is not a normal magic card at all. Um, so right in playtesting, it was very easy to just sort of hand wave that and say, okay, I plus one, I'll just, you know, roll the die and look at my phone and pick up planeswalker or whatever, like, you know, just figure out how to kind of get, get by with playtesting it. But then when, you know, when it actually came time to print the card and somebody was actually making a website that had to do something when you click those buttons, uh, you know, I haven't figure out. Okay, what should be on the list of pluses? What should be on the list of minuses? Do we want it to just be everything uh, that's a plus or minus or an or you know, an ultimate? Um, do we want to curate the list? How much? Do we want to make the list short enough that if somebody prints it out, they could manually do this? Uh, and then working with you know, something that isn't a part of normal magic set development at all, like working with the web team that's actually making the website, them showing us sketches of, hey, We're thinking of laying it out like this and having these buttons here. Do you think that, you know, what do you think of that? And just uh, lots of considerations outside just the gameplay of the card. Uh, Because the gameplay of the card extended to a website with a random uh, number generator abilities and, you know, all those decisions had to get made uh, before the website was built. So...
0: And that's an important part of where where unsets are a little bit different from a normal Magic set is um, there are just component pieces that other people are working on that matter mechanically in a way that's just not true normally.
1: Yeah, one example of that, like, uh, I know that I worked really closely with the editing team over the long period of time that this set was edited because anytime they would want to significantly change a text box, I would sit down with them and and gauge whether it was um, changing the card in a way that was undermining the the humor of the card or something like that. And then in my role, I was kind of working with editing and then pinging Mark and being like, hey, Mark, editing wants to make this change. Can you come over? Can we all look together? Um, is this too much of a change or does it keep the the spirit and the joke of the card? Um so a lot of that, where that's not normal. With uh, you know, maybe maybe sometimes editing wants to change something in a way that makes the rules very very slightly different, but nothing to the level and the scale of what it is on unstable.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I use this. This is actually an unhinged story, but it, it makes this point really well. Where um, I remember at one point, there's a card called Shoe Tree in Unhinged, in which it's a tree folk, and then part of the mechanics of the card is you have to put your shoes on it. You have shoe counters on it. And at one point, I was arguing with Creative about the name, and they wanted to change the name. And I'm like, the card doesn't... The only reason the card holds together, the only reason that a tree folk with shoe counters on it makes any sense is it's called Shoe Tree, which is, you know, an expression. And the second you stop calling it Shoe Tree, the audience is going to go, what weird, crazy card is this? You know, and that... the, The thing about Unsets is the cards have a holisticness that is, I mean, not that normal magic cards don't have some of that, but everything's got to work together in a way that is organic, that really, right, you change one thing in one part of the card and it can throw everything off. Because uh, a lot of times things all sort of hinge on each other and that the the combined the combinedness of it is what makes the card the card. Uh, and so the unsets are a little bit different from an average set in that there's more, you know... You wouldn't think changing flavor text would matter but it can or or changing the the sometimes changing the template can matter in ways you couldn't expect and that's that's something very unique about working on on sets.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and fun. I mean like it's it's I it's harder and it takes more time and effort but it's fun to work together on all that stuff and to feel like right everyone has to be in sync to to get this thing to, you know, sing and come out
0: exactly the way we're planning. So, um, we talked about contraptions. We talked about host and augment. Um, did you find die rolling or outside assistance? Did, did any that thing provide any unique challenges? Um... Outside assistance was pretty
1: straightforward and and uh, simple, I would say, uh, to develop. Like the, I mean, the cards, the cards had a lot of variants that you couldn't really get around. And if you were playing those cards, you were buying into that to some degree, which I think made it um, made them not need to be that precise. Uh, and the, the outside assistance cards had the benefit that whenever somebody played one in a game, everyone was just super happy. It was like, it was like, Oh, somebody played an outside assistance card. Yeah. It's like the person who played, it was happy. The person who had it played against them was happy. It's like, okay. Yay. Somebody's high-fiving me or somebody's answering a question. Uh, so those were, those were easy for that reason. Cause they were just, I mean, every time in play testing, they came up. It was just a very fun, happy thing for everyone. Uh, die rolling, uh, some of those cards were a bit challenging. I think I remember, like, um, the red, I want to say it was the red host common. Right, there's the host cycle.
0: There was a host cycle where ETB entered the battlefield, you, ro- you roll the die. Um, What was it? It was, it did damage, right? Oh, uh, feisty, yeah, feisty Stegosaur. Feisty Stegosaur. Right. So it's four R two one. When this creature enters the battlefield, roll six out of die. This creature deals damage equal to the result to target creature and opponent controls.
1: Yeah, that one was one of the harder um, die roll <laughs> When you have a common that's sort of a a a, a key piece of how limited is going to work, since they show up so often, and then you have that card where there's a huge amount of variance. Where you know if if I'm trying to Destroy a three-three flying creature that I can't block. There's a lot on the line of whether I actually destroy it or whether I roll a one or two. And this card has has effectively, essentially, no effect. Um, and so, yeah, I would say there were definitely some debates about whether cards like that were too much variance. Um, but we we you know we leaned into it, and uh, I think that card is fun to play with and. You you often have multiple things you can target, and are sort of it's on you of how much risk you're buying into to try to kill larger creatures, and and that's okay. Um,
0: so, so one one yeah. last one, we're almost out of time here, but one one last part of the set that I I'm just curious to get your take on. So we did something weird where we did variants where certain cards there wasn't one version of them, there was multiple versions of them, uh, and some of some of them were multiple rule like. I think there were six cards that the, that the rules were different on them. Um, what was it like doing, working with variants? Because that's not something magic normally does.
1: Yeah, that was... Uh, I mean, the card that immediately comes to mind is the everything uh, Figuring out all the different combinations of uh, classic artifact abilities and how to put them together on
0: the card was a, a really fun puzzle. Yeah. Um, Real quickly, I just want to tell people about the card. Everything Majid costs five, and it would have three abilities, two of which had showed up previously on a normal, you know, a non-uncard, and one that had previously shown up on an uncard. And then we made a whole bunch of them, and, right, we had to figure out what went with what.
1: Right, and figuring out, right, how to to make them work together, uh, that was just a a super interesting, fun and interesting challenge. The one that's most memorable to me is... um, the one that has uh, one mana, flip a coin. If you win the flip, add two mana. And then X, uh, everything in jig becomes an XX until end of turn, XX creature until end of turn. So theoretically, right, you could just win a bunch <laughs> of flips and make a 20 20 or make a 30 30. Um, so yeah, putting those two abilities on the same card was fun. Figuring out, yeah, how to mix and match them was uh, from like a huge pool of possible abilities was, was really interesting.
0: Well any final thoughts? I, I I can see my desk here, so we're we're I'm almost to work. Any final thoughts on uh making Unstable? Uh it was just really fun and it was a really great it was a really
1: great experience. Um really great learning experience working so much with all the different teams and working with you and uh yeah, I'm uh super proud of how it came out and uh I mean I love playing it myself, so
0: that's that's nice and yeah. This was a fun chat. Well, thanks thanks for being here, Ben. But uh, I see my desk, so we all know what that means. And this is my end of my drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. So thank you, Ben. Thanks for being with us and sharing all this information. Yeah, you too. Thanks for having me. And to everybody else, I will see you all next time. Bye-bye.